1: Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 on the Horn. 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when we play jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings that you can catch right here live in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick?
2: This is Quiet Company, and they're doing their farewell show Saturday at the Mohawk.
1: You up, yeah farewell, hey, they, the
2: band is breaking up no. oh, so they won no. band of the year in like 2014 to 50 so they've been around for a while they've been around for a little bit before that they won band of the year in the Austin Chronicle poll and why uh, they several they wa- years back they're just moving on to mu- different musical directions they were playing like one or two shows a year gotcha. and then it's like all right we're just gonna kind of let it go oh, they've
1: become a long distance band anyway.
2: Yeah, so they had stopped playing.
1: <laughs> but there's like, let it be, and let it be its own thing, instead of kind
2: of dragging it out forever.
1: Wow, good for them. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's a mature angle to take on it. Most people... They it's kind of the parade or pine box situation. Like you're either gonna yeah. blow up and become great, or you're gonna run the damn you know uh, music group into the ground. It's like no, no, no. We can have an amicable yeah. separation and, and we can all still make music differently. Yes. We just don't have to
2: keep doing this one thing over and over again. Yeah,
1: we can realize like it got old. It's okay. the, yeah. thr- the thrill is gone. And, and it's sometimes right. it's easier yeah.
2: to create sounds that you want to do now that you didn't want to do ten years ago. Yeah, easier you- and just be like, oh, it's a new project then. We kind of got it. This this new album sounds completely
1: different. No, and and, and what I found about I found out uh, that's kind of cool about groups is, and I don't know a ton of them, but I because you live in Austin, you live in Austin long enough, you're gonna get to you're know gonna know musicians, know musicians yeah. and yeah, you get throw them in groups. And like relationships, they continue to grow as a person. Sometimes you outgrow the person you're in a relationship yeah. with. You just outgrow them. Sometimes they outgrow you. Yep, yep. Sometimes you both outgrow each other, and you outgrow the situation. And happens a lot in bands. Like Because you, you're an artist, so you're continuing to grow and evolve as an artist, but some artists, they don't, and some get kind of stuck, and some well, grow. Yeah, and, and I mean, especially if soon.
2: you're going, hey, man, we formed this band when we were 22.
1: Exactly. And
2: now we're 35. Yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. yeah <laughs> maybe we've grown apart somewhere, because you still like going out and drinking and everything else, and I'm at home with two kids I now. D- maybe we could...
1: We're thinking of different things we're writing songs. That's exactly right. No, totally agree. Uh it happens all the time. All right, uh That's man. what Jay Z
0: says all the time. You know, he said, if you wanna listen to my you if you want me to be the OJ, listen to my old CDs. Ds exactly. because now my life is totally different yeah. than what it was when I was in them streets like that. I can talk about caviar and flying first class it's a billionaire before. Now. I was in them streets yeah. trying to make sure that they ain't check my trunk.
1: Yeah. You know it's what a, and I'm it's a, it's a big part of why I always say, because Eminem used to say it, and so did 50 Cent. Like, I can't rap about that stuff anymore. I, 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 I rap about what I live. Yep. And I was living a certain lifestyle. That's why the music, and people loved it. It was raw, unfiltered, Uh, felt dangerous. Yeah. Right? Felt living risque on Because yeah. he was. 50 Cent got shot a bunch of times. He was living on the edge, going to jail, in that jail. But now, living a good life and the rap lyrics have to reflect that it's often tough for those guys to try to dive back into yeah. it that's what but that's what you know that's part of the the artistry of it if you will load up All right. in, in, anyway we'll get to some What could be interesting news, I don't know if it's breaking news yet, but it's very interesting news in the college football coaching carousel. We'll get to that after we talk Texas Creighton. uh, Texas with a big win, huge win over the Creighton Blue Jays. We'll get to breaking that down here in this segment. Next segment, Rod's Round the Day, I'm going to talk about what I think is the sexiest NFL matchup of the weekend, and I'll break it down uh, for you, and we'll get into a little kind of a deep dive about that matchup. I think it's going to be exhilarating, and it Honestly, it could be a Super Bowl preview. Like that's how big yeah, that yeah, matchup is. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got a lot of those happening. We'll, we'll get into some more NFL news, notes, and nuggets in the six o'clock. We're off early at six thirty. Uh, that means you got to get in, get in, and while you can, you can do it on the specs text line 512-337-3776. three three seven three seven seven six. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse, my man Haraj is at Hardball Haraj in the Twitterverse. Patrick Davis, the real MVP, is at It's Patrick Davis. Let's get right to it. Big win. They got everybody in the right mood. In the mood. Seventy two sixty seven over Creighton. Uh, the Longhorns just uh, really looked impressive from uh, the standpoint of ball security. We talked about this earlier, and it, it was such a you know, a close game down the stretch. I think for most of the second half, Texas had control of the game, and then the, the Blue Jays, who are a good team, they made a run. They made a push toward the end, um, but Texas came up clutch in clutch time. But this is my favorite stat coming out of the contest. Texas had only three turnovers in the game. Three turnovers in the game, and that is the fewest for a Texas team since they had four in 2019. It was a win over Cal. Uh, for a Chris Beard team, it is the fewest since he had two uh, with the Texas Tech Red Raiders over West Virginia in a loss, actually. Actually, it was a West Virginia uh, loss to West Virginia in January of 2021, last uh, two seasons ago. So it's, man, it, it's pretty amazing when you start looking at the. Um, The way that they won this game, there are a lot of big factors we can point to, but to me, I thought turnovers would be big, but I I thought it would be Texas forcing turnovers. Creighton's a team that also takes care of the basketball. No, historically, it was just Texas being really uh, judicious in making decisions and, once again, prioritizing ball security.
0: Uh, We talked about it going into the game. If you can go out there and you can turn a team over and lower your turnovers, that's the most important thing. We talked about the rebounds. We talked about fast break points. And we talk about creating your own offense by making them turn the ball over. And that's exactly what Texas did. But the biggest part of it was the poor three-point shooting, not only by Texas, but most importantly by Creighton. Creighton lives and dies by the three. They were shooting mm-hmm. better at one point in the game in, in two points, but they kept wanting to jack the ball up, jack the ball up. And... We've seen that all too many times around here at the University of Texas where they fall in love with the three instead of attacking the basket. Another thing that I always try to pay attention to is the free throw attempts. That goes to the point, if you're shooting that many threes, you're not attacking the rim, so you're not going to get to the charity strike. Mm -hmm. They were four of five. uh, uh, Creighton was four of five in the first half and five of nine in the second half. That's not a good percentage. You need to go to the rim and make them call fouls, especially when you start. Because I know Coach McDermott is sitting there looking like, hey, guys, we're one of eight. from, We're one of 12 in the first half. We shot 8% from three-point line. Attack the rim a little bit. I know that's not their game, but sometimes you got to get out of your game to get back into your game. It's like we always talk about shooter shooting. you got to find your stroke. Mm-hmm. How do you get to your stroke? You get to the free-throw line. And that is one of the things that they fail to do. But kudos to Marcus Carr, and we talked about this too, Rod and, and Patrick, the importance of guard play. Guard play is so important as you go through the season. And the fact that Texas has three guys that can bring the ball up, take the pressure off of each other, move without the basketball, and create shots for not only themselves but for others, that's huge, man. Craig, that is
1: huge. Creighton coach Greg uh, McDermott uh, said – uh, he said, quote, I was with Chris Beer last night and I think he's got one of the best guard cores in the country. Uh to what you were just talking about, Harge. And we hear all the time about the you know, when you're playing in a tournament, tournament basketball is all yep. about yep. you know what you can do, uh, what your guards can do to make plays. Uh Texas right now got veteran yep. guards and they got uh guards who have really diverse skill sets offensively. Yep. Yeah. No, and I mean like and I'll
2: tell anybody, this is one that if you're a basketball if you love basketball. Watching Jabari Rice do a pump fake—it's one of the greatest things you ever watch. <laughs> oh, in it's life. the slowest motion pump it's fake. The <laughs> best pump fake. It's, it's like Manu Ginobili is one of the best yeah, pump fakes ever. Yeah. Jabari Rice has one of the best pump fakes I've ever seen in my life. It's <laughs> so good. And if you ever watch, if you ever see a pump fake, if you look over at me and Eddie Oren, we'll hit each other in the side when he does it. Because it's you. Because even as a like, you're watching on something. Like, oh, he's shooting that, and then he yeah. pulls it down and gets it, runs the basket, and yeah. you're just like, man. That is, it's, it's amazing. Like, but put. just little things like that, where you go, this guy can do that, and then he can pull up and hit a three. Because mm-hmm. some guys who have really good pump fakes don't shoot a lot of threes, yeah. And they just kind of use it, and it goes away. So it's like, just don't bite on it. But his, yeah. you have to bite on because he can hit that three. It's a great point. So yeah, watching that. If you watch the guard play, and then you know Marcus Carr uh, is just he's stepping it up. It, it's a, it's just a lot of fun to watch him. And of course Tyrese Hunter, what an addition to this team. To to be able to score, I think Tyrese Hunter has been someone who's just been extremely yep, clutch. Yep. yep. Uh, I think the cramps got him again. They never said it was cramps this time, but he did mm-hmm. have to come off for a little bit, and he went over and took some Lake Woods and got you know massaged and rode the bike for a minute and came back in. But that might be a problem. Well, later And he in the had season. his
1: season high in minutes too, so he played a lot. Yeah, no, and he mm-hmm. played like he played, he played, played like
2: thirty six, I think. Thirty four. They got him listed as thirty four. Okay. Thirty four. But yeah. yeah, he. So I mean, you have a lot of minutes for a guy like that. It, It's somewhat – you're like, all right, you need to get that figured out. But at the same point, when he can score important baskets and hit important shots, that's something that, again, this team did not have last year. They were a team that would shoot well when they were behind at the end of games but not when they had a lead, which is not what you want to be, which Mm -hmm. is they could come back and hit a big game winner. But you need to be like, no, like last night where he went, all right, it's 11. All right, well, let's keep it around 11 a little bit longer. Yeah. Keep it around 8 a little bit longer. Yep. Keep it around 5 a little bit longer. Hit some free throws at the end. And just don't ever let them hit that game-tying shot and not allowing them to get that satisfaction where now we got to hit something to come back. That's something that this team didn't do last year, and it got them in trouble in a lot of games. Yeah. Let me ask
0: you this. Let me ask both of you guys this because we were all paying attention to the game. Obviously, Patrick, you were there. At the end of the game, when Tyrese Hunter had that breakaway, did you think that he should have stopped and dribbled that ball out a little bit more, as opposed to going up and making that dunk and he, just letting he could have waited.
2: Clock... He could have waited half a second. Yeah, he, I, he I should not. He, have, wa- he should not have dribbled out and got fouled. He should have dunked the ball. Okay, because.
0: Because I was looking at the
2: automatic clock. two points. Yeah, yeah. And at that game where you're playing back and forth, yeah. take the two. and there yep. is no timeout to advance the ball in college, so you're gonna have to get the ball back up the court anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're playing a time thing, and with the amount of time left, man, and let's put it this way Chris Beard drew that play up. Yep. Oh, I, that was yeah, out of a timeout. That was Chris out Beard. of a timeout. That's so, correct. so it was done in a way that Chris Beard said, Hey, if he gets open over the top, go over there and dunk the ball. Yep. Because it's a one and one too if they get you on the ground. He misses that first free throw. Well, you wasted maybe two more seconds, and they get a three pointer the other way. It's a tight game. Yeah. yeah. So that it was, it, I do. I think you just take the dunk there yeah. because those points are just too valuable. And you say, it's going to be harder for you to go hit that other three, and then I need another three, and then we'll hit free throws in between. Then, hey, let's take a shot on one missed free throw. Yeah. It's not even a two free throw shot, it's a one and one. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that was big. I, I also want to say that you called this one too the offensive rebounding. And Texas didn't do a great job on their own, but keeping the second-chance points to a minimum is going to be huge, especially when you're at a size disadvantage at a lot of it. That's huge to be able to keep Creighton off the offensive glass. Mm -hmm. There was a couple plays where they they got a couple shots on it, and I think one where they converted with a dunk at the end or something Mm -hmm. where they got out. But for the most part, you were able to clean the boards, and that's huge going forward because, man – and there was points, especially early in the game, where you're like, man, this was such a fast game because they're both clearing boards. You never, It never got slowed down. It was go, shot, rebound, go, shot. And if we play that type of basketball, we're going to be in a lot of these games because our defenses can travel.
1: And the yep. thing that uh, – something else that I thought was really cool, after the game, Coach McDermott said, you know, the pace of Texas surprised Creighton. He said that on the tape – uh, it really doesn't illustrate how fast Texas actually is when you play them in person. Um Texas no longer plays at that, you know, kind of chopped and screwed pace yeah. that they played it last last year. You can tell that Chris Beard is prioritizing them pushing the pace, they're athletic enough to do it. Uh, and they had 50, I uh, sorry, 20 fast break points, uh, yeah. I believe. No, was- and you
2: can tell he's Chris Beard has worked in this offseason of getting <laughs> basically everyone on the court comfortable with taking the ball up on a fast break. We saw Christian Bishop near the end of that game come up, and because Christian Bishop was carrying the ball, it created a really awkward two-on-one situation where they were able to get an easy layup off of it because Christian Bishop can go on the ball instead of having to pass it off and then try and make up the ground to get on back on it. He's able to let the guard go ahead, and the defender has to come out on Bishop because he's going to try and get a charge or he's going to try and get because he's like this guy can dunk right over me. Six, yeah, he's six, eight, six nine. You can spread yeah. the floor, and yeah. you can get out there and get an easier shot up. Like those kind of things, we see Timmy Allen do it all the time. We see Timmy Allen a bit. showed
0: up, baby. Timmy, Timmy Allen, Allen showed up. up. But yeah. having
2: being able to have four to five guys on a court who can rebound and take it up the court on yeah. a fast break yep. means that you can pretty much always be fast. And it's not a thing of a lot of these teams. If a seven footer or you know your center catches the ball. They're going to be stationary and wait for a pass.
1: Let's give Timmy Allen a lot of credit since we're talking about him. 11 points, had his season high in points, seven rebounds, three assists. He was five of 10. Um he did have four offensive rebounds, too. Um, and, hard, four excited. Uh, yeah. and four assists And uh, four assists. Yeah, I mean, he, he really did. He contributed. You don't have that Timmy Allen performance. This is, a tight, this is a lot tighter game than we would have thought. He finally found his groove yeah. offensively. Yeah, i
0: I'd been talking to Patrick about it. I was like, man, when's, when is Timmy Allen going to show up? Because remember last year, if Timmy Allen didn't score, Texas wasn't winning. Yeah, because he was a that lead. big yeah. of a factor for what the success that He's a they leading had. Scorer, right? And now, yeah, and now you know, with all the different bodies that we have, and and the guard play that has really, really stepped up, and then you're bringing in some of these younger kids, and and they're having their moments. But I really wanted him to step up and have his opportunity because of what he did for the team last year. Oh yeah, and then Patrick was like. Ah, it's coming. Don't worry about it. I didn't know it was going to come against Creighton in that moment. But like you said, you take him out of there and he goes back to have a game that he's been having. It may be a different ball game for the Texas Longhorns. But he came and showed up, and I'm happy for him. And we knew that he had it in him because he was that Mm -hmm. type of player. But I was just waiting for that moment for him to assert himself and have those clutch buckets. If Timmy Allen can
2: score, he creates a mismatch on every team. Absolutely. Because he's going to be guarding a guy who's a little bit bigger but he can move around pretty quick mm-hmm. and get buckets. But if he's not hitting shots, that mismatch is gone, and now you just have an undersized guy guarding. So he needs to, he needs to be productive when he shoots. Doesn't need a lot of points, but when he gets those shots, he needs to do it. And, Rod, mm-hmm. you always talk about the numerical advantage that is unguardable. Mm-hmm. If you have five guys who can score on a team, it's real, real hard to guard <laughs> yeah. them.
1: Yep. Yeah. You're right. There's no because uh, you're right. There's a matchup advantage somewhere on that floor. Yeah, uh, yep. you just got to figure out where it is. And Texas defensively, we we know that defensively they're going to come to play every every game. Uh, they held the Blue Jays to a season low, forty. 40- point nine percent field goal percentage yeah uh, we talked about how bad they were from three point range but Texas was also bad from three point range uh, but Texas defense once again uh, will have them in every game against any opponent no matter how elite they are that Texas defense I mean that is their lifeblood that's their uh, identity if you will Four guys scored in double digits. Marcus yep. Carr, we already talked about him with 19, led the way. Uh, we talked about Tyrese Hunter, also big game for him, 15 points. Uh, Timmy Allen, big game, season high for him. Uh, we also didn't bring up Dylan Mitchell, at 10 points, three rebounds, yeah. and a steal. Young Buck was out, up there dunking too. Yeah, and yeah. shout out to Christian Bishop. Yeah. You know, I know he had a revenge factor in that game going up against his old team. 16 minutes, but really productive. 16, six points, four rebounds off the bench. Loved it. Loved and that's another thing too we got to talk about. Uh, Patrick brought it up, and you talked about it yesterday. Hard. Just Well, um, Patrick will have to explain his theory about seven-footers on planes now. (laughs) But it was pretty obvious that Texas had a depth advantage, no question about it. Came into the game with nine players averaging 15 minutes. I believe eight different guys uh, played at least 15 minutes in this game. And damn near every one of their starters played 33-plus minutes or something in all those lines. They were were worn out visibly. They they were very
2: tired. They were huffing up. And, I mean, they look somewhat tired coming into the game. And so it, you could tell that it was definitely. I, I, I was surprised that they didn't run more of a rotation. I thought when you were shooting hey, when oh these man. when a lot of these stars were shooting poorly, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't try All somebody. All five else.
1: starters played at least 32 minutes, and then they had 12 minutes from uh, Fabrela, Far- Farabella off the bench. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody else was three minutes, six. Yeah, minutes and Farabella
2: for- was because he knew us because he had played. He was a transfer from TCU. TCU. Yeah. So he had played us in previous seasons, but that's. Yeah, I I, I thought if I was Creighton's coach, I would have played some some other guys, but I think it was more just defensively those matchups. They were getting killed at him, putting in some young guys like Mason Miller and stuff like that. He just couldn't guard the people. And when they got physical, I mean, there was a couple of calls that were – kind of bogus where yeah. where Texas got a little physical and the young guys on Creighton just yeah just fell over and they're like, well, what? that's not a foul because that guy's they a win.
1: They had a couple of flops. Brock yeah. Brock
2: got one that, man, that building was mad because he went <laughs> up there and blocked one. a seven-footer and everyone's like, he blocked a seven-footer and they called the foul. was like, you can't bail out. A-
0: <laughs> Is that the one that he came from behind? And came sw- up, grabbed the
2: ball in the yeah, air and yeah. came down
0: with it. Well, they showed it on TV a couple times. He hit his arm.
2: It doesn't matter. That's not a
1: <laughs> I don't care. Reward the effort. I feel really? really that badge. Hey, I was I was a little surprised, pleasantly, by the way, uh, at the defensive job Texas did on Trey Alexander too. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, kept we talked about balance too. Yeah, man. we talked about Shireman who started really cold, but then he got hot at the four straight down the stretch to, to to help a run that got him back in it. Um, but he started off really cold, o of nine or 0 of ten of something. But Trey Alexander was the second leading scorer yeah. for Creighton, and he went over uh, yeah. from the field. That yeah. was impressive. The perimeter defense for Texas is impressive. Interior defense, obviously. No, and like Nimhart started to get it going
2: to the basket, yeah. but those shots he was hitting were—he was yeah. basically getting underneath the basket, reaching
1: back underneath, and yeah. flipping his yeah. like, like up. Yeah. That was like the Ice Man. Yeah, yeah that, he was hitting One some shots. All to
0: do is finger right? roll. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, I they, were, they were really low percentage shots. Yeah, shot. they
2: were, they were yeah. shots that you're like, yeah, man, you don't you're not used to guarding like that because yeah. normally that's a foul or a goaltend yeah. or something if you try and go after it. But yeah, they. He was able to hit those late. But, yeah, they, they did a great job on the perimeter defense in this game.
0: It was, it was Cal- one of their best performances that I've seen as a Texas team
2: in a very long time.
1: Totally agree. Uh, and Cal Brenner, he got his, but uh, I think uh, Patrick was right down the stretch. He was more of a factor early on in the game. Mm-hmm. But as the game wore on, he wore out.
2: Yeah, they went to him early in the second half a lot. Yeah, and he's like, and there's one thing you can always tell. Chris Beard team, the most important eight minutes for Chris Beard is the last four of the first half and the first four of the second.
1: Well, they closed the, last, the first half. And they closed, closed really on.
2: well, and they started pretty good, and then they started giving the ball to Brenner, and that was where, all right, we're chipping away a little mm-hmm. bit this Texas because all we got to do is just hand it to this big man, and as long as he's in the close, pace,
1: yeah, then he's going to turn
2: around, and Texas knows they can't really jump at him or they're going to foul him. Yep. And so he was able to kind of score a few yeah. times. And they just went, cool, well, we're just going to keep taking the ball right back at you. And if we keep taking the ball right back at you, you're going to have a hard time keeping the stamina up I'm to keep fighting down. And yeah. they were doubling him and hard. And yep. Arturio Morris had a great steal on one of them where he came along that black the, oh, the backside yep. and just poked the ball out. Mm-hmm. And you saw that a couple times where they just came around that backside, and as soon as they came on him, he panicked. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, it was, it, it, it's Texas defense, man. It, it makes uh, it makes up for a lot of things, a lot of mismatches they may have with the size disadvantage that they they probably going to be in most of the year. Yeah. They'll get used to that, though, because that's really going to be their probably the one Achilles heel that you're going to be able to exploit against them. Not everybody has skilled seven foot. No, and if you yeah. want
2: to talk about effort, there was there was a couple jump balls where everyone down on the floor. And it was funny because Creighton didn't dive for balls. Yeah. Creighton did not dive. Because they're too tall. They Columbo were like, was the only there. one he went on. And <laughs> yeah. both times and went on the ground. And the second jump ball, he literally, there's three longhorns around him. He literally just pulls the ball into his side and just holds it next to him until a Texas player walks over and puts his hands on it for him to call a jump ball. <laughs> oh. But I have a perfect view of it. And they're not fighting or diving. They're just like, there's just four Texas players around it. And the Creighton players aren't moving. And he's like, well, you can't. And so he goes to move in but he rolls over and they call travel on him. <laughs> and it was like Texas <laughs> was like, "Look, we normally we're going for the ball." Because there's a scrum. Yeah, you yeah. guys, crumb. your boys don't care. They didn't yeah, want to get down. They there. didn't want to like, get down. We on tired, the man. Yeah. You got some tired legs. <laughs> well,
1: let me
0: tell you what you don't want to be tired of, and that's getting your roof checked. You need to make sure that you get your roof checked. Let me ask you: When's the last time that you've thought about your roof? Probably when it rains, high winds, or not often enough. I'm probably sure about that. Do yourself a favor. Go to QuickRoofing.com. The story of Quick Roofing is pretty cool. Jeff Quick started Quick Roofing with one roof in 1984. Now 38 years later, they have over 200,000 projects. You can't stay in business that long if you're not taking care of your customers and have a great customer service reputation. Here's some of the reasons why you need to choose Quick Roofing. You get a free, no obligation inspection. You get 7-year workmanship warranty. Quick Roofing is fully insured and has all state and local licenses. Quick Roofing doesn't even require any money up front until you get 100% completion and of course, 100% satisfaction. Quick Roofing also requires a project manager on every job site, ensuring that you as the customer get everything that you were promised. So what are you waiting for? Reach out today and get that free inspection. Go to quickroofing.com
1: today. All right. Uh, we come back. Uh we'll, you know, we'll get into what could be interesting news. I don't know if it's breaking news, but interesting news. And my favorite game of the NFL weekend, we'll break that down from every angle. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 the Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've future? got it now. It's time
0: for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. uh, I want to talk first and foremost about the matchup this weekend in the NFL between the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, 74 versus 8-3, but I I think you're talking about a truly, a potentially kind of epic matchup in the middle of the season. The different reasons, obviously, for familiarity between the two coaches because Mike McDaniels and my man Channel go way, way back, like eight tracks. a matter of fact, when he was first, the uh, position Coach at with the Texans as the wide receiver coach there, um, he his quality control coach was Mike McDaniel, and they've been close ever since. Um, and basically, they've been attached at the hip ever since. Even Shannon even called him his computer. He was like, Mike McDaniel is basically my computer. He said, I have a thought about something. I want to research something. I would go. To him, <laughs> he's basically like it was his coaching form of Google, and uh, <laughs> so that's how much he, he he talks about how much he meant to him. And Mike McDowell has been great. Now, first of all, you'll have a, a matchup between arguably the best offense in the league and the best defense in the league. So, number three offense by Miami, but the number one uh, defense in the NFL and San Fran's defense has been elite. Zero points allowed in the second half since week eight. passer rating allowed in the second half since then and a 4.4 yards per attempt allowed in the second half since then and how about this historic little factoid the 49ers are the 12th team since 1950 to shut out four straight opponents in the second half no one has done that in five straight games in 73 years at least Uh, Miami got shut out in the second half last week to the Texans actually uh, and they got shut out, in, in I think, in Pittsburgh, or at least versus Pittsburgh in the second half. So twice this year, they've been shut out in the second half. Number one, you want to watch the second half uh, because nobody's been better at winning the battle of adjustments, the chess match within the game, than D'Amico Ryans, the D.C. for the San Francisco 49ers. But diving into the matchup, let's talk about it a little bit because, first of all, the, the, the top headline in this matchup, honestly, to me, is not really the familiarity between Mike McDaniel. Uh, Mike McDaniels and Shano, it's more about Tua and Mm -hmm. Tua's ascent. I'll just give you a couple of numbers about Tua really quickly. Uh, Tua currently leads the NFL in yards per attempt, 9.0 yards per attempt, yards per completion, 12.9. Average net yards per attempt with 9.18. By the way, he's fourth all-time in average net yards per attempt. Uh, touchdown pass percentage, uh, passer rating also leads to NFL in passer rating and leads to NFL in QBR right now as well. His QBR currently at 82.8, passer rating at 115.7. Uh, getting even deeper into the numbers, he actually leads the NFL uh, in, in passer rating on third down as well. So not only the highest passer rating in NFL, but highest passer rating on third down uh, since they started keeping track of it in 1991. Now, the reason that this is a really cool stat is because they started keeping track of kind of play-by-play, down the down um, passer rating in 1991. So that's as far back as they're going to go with this stat, but this is really cool. So he has, he's got the highest single season passer rating on third down since they started keeping track of it, 145.6. Steve Young is second in 1994, 141.2. Kurt Warner, third in 1999, 137.3. Kurt Warner and Steve Young both won regular season MVPs and Super Bowl MVPs that season. I ain't saying that Tua <laughs> gonna do that. But I'm just saying when you're, you're clutch on third down, the money down, that, that usually means good things for your team and the future uh, of your team. But anyway, getting back to it. But Tua, he's been the real deal and for a lot of reasons, and it's mostly because of what uh, Mike McDaniels has done in his offense since he became the head coach. And one of the things you want to watch are passes over the middle of the field. Um, and the reason this is interesting is because when uh, McDaniels was the, coordinator, was the coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy G threw a ton of passes over the field. He actually led the NFL in completions um, over the middle, what they call the intermediate third, the intermediate middle third of the field. Okay. So basically, just uh, basically inside the numbers and that kind of that intermediate uh, middle third. Tua has 38 completions uh, throwing to this area of the field, 16 more than anybody else in the NFL. Um, and when Mike McDaniel was in San Francisco as the OC, uh, Jimmy G led the NFL in completions targeting this very same area, the intermediate middle third. Now the reason that the 49ers are um, adequately equipped to defend this area is because they have the best two off-ball linebackers in coverage in the NFL. They got Dre Greenlaw and they got Fred Warner. These guys roam that intermediate middle third better than any off-ball linebackers in the league. Best coverage linebackers in the NFL. Pro Football Focus says they're both top ten linebackers. But since Fred Warner arrived in San Francisco, they've allowed just 71 completions to the middle intermediate third over the last five seasons, 15 fewer than any other defense in the league. So they are in a great position to take away what Mike McDaniel wants to exploit, which is that intermediate middle third that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But none of that's going to matter if those corners on the outside can't hold up against Jalen Waddle and against Tyreek Hill. Give me some random stats about these guys. No two wide receivers in the NFL have averaged a faster top speed within the first three seconds of their route than Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. 15.4 miles per hour for both of them. They are certified freaks. Mm. Here's the freakish uh, side, the flip to that coin for the 49ers. The 49ers have the third fastest, quickest pass rush, BGO, ball get off from the edge in the league. So... If the 49ers can get around that edge, all right, before Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill can burn off, off on those corners and separate from those corners, that's going to be their best hope to shutting down the passing game for the Dolphins. And they may have they may have a bit of luck from the football guys. Terran Armstead, the left tackle for Miami Dolphins, may not play in the game. Ooh. He's dealing with injuries, and also Austin Jacks, another uh, offensive line for them, dealing with injuries. Mm. Dealing with injuries going up against a a Bosa of any kind, who's third, Nick Bosa, third in the NFL in sacks, uh, fourth in tackles for loss. That could be a problem to watch. Uh, Because of the speedy wide receivers that the, uh, not just wide receivers, Raheem Moses on that team, too. They're just a track team, as Harge always says. Uh, Because of that speed, you are forced to play, Split field, two deep safeties versus them most times because you're just scared of your DBs getting beat over the top. So they face the second highest rate of split field safeties. So the beauty of it is Mike McDaniel knows exactly how you're going to play them. You're yeah. probably going to have two deep safeties over the top, uh, both of those guys, and why wouldn't you? And Miami has also faced the, league, the league's lowest rate of man coverage. Why? Because everybody's scared of those <laughs> speed demons <laughs> on the outside running yeah. right past you. So they've only faced 17% man coverage. So watch those trends in this matchup. Also, watch uh man, his name, uh, Talangua Hufanga. Okay. He is a Troy Palomalu starter kit. And he is he also roams that middle with Drake Greenlaw and with Fred Warner. I forgot to mention him. He's a guy you gotta watch. He's just a natural playmaker, got great instincts to the football. Uh, something else that you want to watch in this matchup because, you know, I've been looking at the, you know, the the intermediate throws, talking about how, you know, that's where Tua wants to throw. He's been extremely, extremely uh, efficient throwing from 13 to 21 yards, like I said, those intermediate area. I compared his completion percentage, which is 77%, actually over 77% on those throws. By the way, considered to be the toughest throws in the NFL. To just throw in the heart of a right. defense, um, it's it's a it's a lot of dividends there, but it's considered to be a really tough throw. Um, hell, Josh Allen completing just fifty percent of his passes over the middle, right there. Um, Patrick Mahomes at sixty-two percent completion Jalen Hurts at fifty-four percent on those intermediate throws. Tools at seventy-seven percent. Crazy. Yeah, those some good numbers. And he's getting the ball out of his hands really quickly, <sighs> and he's throwing the ball downfield. This is something that I I thought was really troubling, so his average time to throw right now, fastest in the NFL, 2.49 seconds, so if you're looking at the, the 49ers getting around that edge trying to get to Tua, they want to do it Extremely quickly, as fast as they've done it all season, because he gets rid of the ball really fast. The next closest to him is 2.6 seconds, and he gets rid of the ball in 2.49 seconds. Um, and it's really about the the efficiency, and it's really about how fast those wide receivers can separate. Because mm-hmm. nobody separates faster than those two guys. They got extreme speed on the outside. Whole nother level speed. And it's also helped him throw the football downfield. To his average pass traveled seven yards in 2021 that was the third shortest pass for an nfl player uh, nfl quarterback in 2022 it's at 9.2 third deepest in the nfl and he hasn't thrown a lot of deep touchdown passes even though everybody remembers that week two 48 yard bomb 60 yard bomb that he threw in week two um he only has he has actually has no he has uh just one touchdown pass over 29 yards since then so he doesn't – it's not as deep as you – the passing game isn't always deep shots downfield. He's working the intermediate area, and Tua's been really good making those types of throws. That's because so,
0: they can turn them up real quick for him, like we talk about. Get the
1: ball in your playmaker's hands and let them go. They, but actually, I know I studied this, too, because I was like, well, it's got to be the Yak Yards. Strangely enough, the Yak Yards haven't changed that much for Tua. And I was, I was surprised about this, too. Yeah, the Yak Yards. I'll give you the numbers. So the yak yards, yak uh, yards after a catch per completion for Tua, uh, 4.1 in 2020. That was 31st. Um, 2021, it was 4.6. That was 29th. 2022, 4.5, 32nd. Interesting yards yeah, out because you kept saying
0: how quick he's getting the ball out of his hands. Normally and, that means short routes, get the
1: ball out take trust him me. up the field. And, and Shannon usually is a big yards after the catch guy but not in this situation but no, no mistake that Tyreek Hill and Jane Wild are the best wide receiving duo in the NFL Tyreek Hill leads the, leads the NFL in receptions and receiving yards 87 for 1,233 also he is a first in yards gained off of pass interference calls. Jay Jalen Waddle is fourth in yards gained after pass interference call, and Jalen Waddle is also fifth in receiving yards. So they're top five receivers in every statistical category, and that's what the 49ers have got to deal with. And they got to find a way to slow those guys down on the outside. Also, you might get dizzy watching this game. You might have to, <laughs> you know, close your eyes a little bit. The pre-snap motion will make you dizzy. Uh-huh. Both of these teams are top two in the NFL in pre-snap motion. 75% for the Dolphins, 71% oh, yep. for the 49ers. going to be fun to watch these guys uh, dialing up all the, the the eye candy in this matchup. I'm going to take the 49ers just because... Shanno, notoriously, he has got the upper hand when he faces someone he was once a mentor for, uh, Sean McVay. He's nine and four versus Sean McVay, three and four, three and two, excuse me, versus Matt Lafleur. And I think in this matchup versus Mike McDaniel, mostly because of the defense, I think he's going to have the upper hand. It's going to be a hell of a matchup. I just can't wait.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about this matchup too. And as you are getting ready to watch this game, just keep in mind the Miami Dolphins, because of the Trey Lance trade. They were able to convert that into Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and
2: Bradley Chubb. Yeah, and uh, and remember that Trey Lance trade was part of the Laramie Tunsil trade. Laramie Tunsil from, from, from the Houston. See, we go right back to the Houston. Yeah,
1: man, that they they made some good trades.
0: Yeah, they did. They, they made some great. <laughs> Miami tracks. made some great
2: trades. Make that, that yeah. great trades. That's no. big time. Um,
1: I can't wait for that matchup. It's going to be really exciting. Okay, on the other side. I was going to have, we had an off the record ready to go. We still may get into it, but there is a story that is interesting, maybe on the verge of breaking. We got to discuss it. We'll do it on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. It's live right here on 1049 the horn it is a 512 Friday we play jams from uh, uh, very talented human beings uh, that you can catch live right here in the ATX who are we jamming right now Patrick
2: This is Nolan Potter's Nightmare band and they are playing uh tomorrow night if I can pull up my my sheet of paper Ooh They are playing uh are they playing sorry they're playing tonight at the Far Lounge There you go at the right. what lounge?
1: Far out. The far, far out. out lounge. Okay. Right. I like. I like that hard. Like he's going. He's Where? Where hey, was what's that? Hey. You never know. <laughs> Wait, what are you checking here? Your boy might get a wild Actually, hair tonight. No, no. Harge might drop by. Exactly. One of them dudes. He ain't going to stay long. I'll be in the house. I'll be in the house. And I
2: posted everything up on hornfm.com, the blog right. page, if you missed anything and want to check out any of these bands.
1: All right. Uh, thank you for that, Patch. We appreciate it. Go to hornfm.com if you missed any of these selections for 512 Friday. All right. How about this, Harge? Uh, it comes from. Do you remember the guy, I think he played for the Washington NFL team at one time when they were the Washington Racial Slurs, Sua Cravens? Do you remember this name? I do remember him. Didn't he play in the league? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Okay, well, he is now a, uh, I guess he's a college football insider, the former NFL star and upcoming head, uh, basically. He follows, U- I think he follows USC, too. Okay. Uh, and the former DB and current CBS Sports Analyst, so... He's got some street credit there. He tweeted out, I'm hearing that primetime, a.k.a. Deion Sanders, um, will in fact be leaving Jackson State after this season. It comes down to two teams, Colorado and Cincy. I'm also hearing that it's 95% a done deal. He goes to Boulder next year. Pac-12 about to get real interesting with the transfer portal. And then I get Dennis Dodd. Putting this story out, um, yeah, shout out to Dennis Dodd uh, putting the story out that basically Dion has been offered five million dollars per year with incentives that could bump that up to seven million per year by the Colorado Buffaloes.
0: Ooh. I still don't. I, I, my biggest question: I know it's the Pac-12, and I know it's a big uh, conference. Is it? Is it really? No, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm Shrinking saying? by the day. It is shrinking. <laughs> they they went in the water too soon and they developed shrinkage. shrinkage. Yeah. Um, but as you look at it, is this the move that you would have expected for Dion, or is it the move that is needed for Dion to be able to do so? You know what I'm saying? To get to that next step, to get oh. to, you know to take those steps. That's a great in the question. Process. You know what?
1: Dion is so unique. No Very BS. Much. I actually don't think some of the limitations that um, usually would apply to coaches in this situation or circumstance with a program like Colorado apply to him. And what I mean by that is he went to a, an HBCU, or historically black college. Yes. And I love historically black colleges, all right? For sure. I got family that went there. PV, I baby. I dated a lot of women that went there. Yeah. Damn, I'm a good fan. I'm yeah. a I'm big fan of them. Big right? fan. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, damn fine programs, too. <laughs> but it's hard to attract the like top recruits in the country to go to historically mm-hmm. black colleges. Mm-hmm. He got the number one recruit in the country. Yes. To go there. To go to Jackson State. To go to Jackson State. <laughs> right. Where they ain't even got no water. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? No, literally. Yeah. You ain't joking.
0: I'm not kidding.
1: The infrastructure is bad. Yes. It is known by all to be a place where, if you're a black man, you don't really want to be there.
0: No. I huh? played I played in a league that we went to Jackson <laughs> and I didn't even get out much.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I've been in Mississippi yeah. and, and I go out. You go out. I go out. And he, so he can attract talent. He has had, he's got major uh basically ties and and affiliations with all well not all well a lot of the major recruiting meccas mm-hmm. and fertile recruiting grounds like Georgia yep. like Florida yep. like Texas hell now Mississippi too yeah he's got some love uh, all over you know he can he's got a mouthpiece on him if he can get game day to go to a historically black college <laughs> hello. he could definitely get him to go to Colorado hello he the added value. He's going to recruit so well that even if he does, even if he fails, which I don't think he will because he's going to bring in NFL coaches. He got an NFL coach with him right now. He's got a couple.
0: Of, he got a couple. He's of got one of the him.
1: best recruiters in college football history in yep. Tim Bruce, so the guy that recruited me and Sims and Vince Young. The guys keep are, the list going. He's a mercenary. Yeah, he's got him over there too. He's going to bring in good coaches with him. Even if he fails, he's going to leave your cupboard. Uh, just rich and plentiful with talent. Mm-hmm. All right, your coffers are gonna be full. I, I, and he's gonna bring the boosters and the donors out.
0: But after you, but
1: after you say I am
0: HBCU, I am SWAC, I am SWAC. Does that leave a bad taste for the SWAC conference? Because I told you, there's been coaches that I've interviewed uh, when I was doing some football games for the SWAC and and for the HBCUs mm. that were. Offended when I asked the question about the swag that Dion has brought to the conference. He said, "We've been doing this for a long time." We, I understand that, but you hadn't had game day. Come you hadn't had the the cachet for people to. Dion's talking about bringing in scouts to see a lot they of coming. these players. They there. They have been in y'all's league. Yeah. So I'm just curious to what the. I mean, I know Dion don't really care what the people think, but he he built up the swag program and got people. To be in the mix, so what now does he do?
1: He hasn't had a losing season since he's been there. No, he has not. He won it. He won the conference last year, and he's probably going to win it again this year. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's done I, well. I'm with you. I think he's done a lot for the Swag, but it's time to move on. He can still say he's he still Swag. He can yeah. show love to the Swag. He can put Swag teams on their schedule. He, can but he do stuff like that. He's going to take some of
0: their players too. And he's <laughs> going to take his son. His son's exactly. starting quarterback. Oh, his yeah, son's Chagot going that cold, dog. Yeah.
1: So I'm all for it. I'm a huge Dion fan. So now I'm a random CU fan. Hell, they were yep. one of my five schools that I narrowed my choices down to because I loved uh, base Dion, Dion figures. Yep. I want to be like Dion. He was number two. Won a Jim Thorpe Award. Just a badass. I uh, and I was a big fan of Rick Newhouse, who was the head coach. At the time, uh, yep. but I chose I chose wisely. Love it. I chose Mac. Love well, I, it. I made a good choice as a seventeen-year-old. Uh, we'll funny as a funny. Now it's going to look like it was actually clairvoyant too, <laughs> uh, and foreshadowing. But there's a yep. funny clip of Dion uh, with I think one of his favorite local media personalities For sure. talking about this Colorado job. Uh, now Dion hadn't taken it. Nothing official. This is all scuttlebutt. We'll play that audio because it's pretty funny. And we'll talk NFL news, notes, and nuggets on the other side. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on. 104 now I'm a horn.